Yes, in my dressing room. <laughs> because, darling, you never know when you'll need a bottle of champagne. I'll, I'll be right back. Now, where is that bottle? I, I've only been gone for 30 seconds. You'll, you'll get your champagne, you animals. Oh, oh my goodness. Ch Charles Chambers. May I come in? Of course, come in, come in. What the hell are you doing? Happy New Year, by the way. Yes, yes, Happy New Year. I was just searching for another bottle of champagne if, if you didn't get a chance to toast at midnight. When did you get here? Just now, in fact. I'm not looking to celebrate. No? No, I was at a pub not far from here, and someone mentioned that you were having a party. How strange that you should be just down the street. The, the world certainly moves in mysterious ways, doesn't it? Not particularly mysterious. I was at your show earlier this evening. You were? Why didn't you say hello? I had no idea you were even in London at all. You were sworn by admirers. I thought it would be wise to try another time. How long are you here for? You know, it could be fun to have you join me on stage one evening. John. I, are you sure I, I can't get you a drink? I, I know I have a fairly decent bottle of champagne somewhere around here. I... John, we need to talk. Come on, have a drink with me, please. I, I've had plenty tonight, thank you. Charles Chambers, are you drunk? Do I sound drunk? No, you don't, which is very irritating, because you certainly look a little sozzled, glassy eyes, unsteady posture, but of course you would still be able to speak with perfect clarity. Clarity is what brought me here. I've been endeavoring to have this conversation with you for some time. Oh, good God, man, you certainly are grim-faced for a man at a party. Sit, 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 sit. Now... Tell me why you've tracked me down after midnight, inebriated, all to have a conversation. You were right. I know. About what? Something happened to us. 23 years ago, something happened to us in that act. Ah. That, I mean, must we talk about it? Yes, that. What, you've worked yourself into a froth about it the last time we saw each other? It was hardly a froth. I, and now you don't want to discuss it? I... Don't see what there is to discuss. You and I performed a magic trick, something went wrong, and now we don't seem to be aging. And you don't know what there is to discuss? Be serious. I am. As far as I can tell, there's not very much we can do about it except wait and see and enjoy ourselves in the meantime. Enjoy? John, you can't really be telling me that you think any of this is normal. Oh, I didn't say it was normal. I just don't think it's any of our concern. Whose concern would it be? It only affects us, as far as I can tell, thank God. You're behaving as if you're angry about this. I am, are you not? <laughs> angry? About accidentally finding the fountain of youth? Well, no, Charles, I'm not angry about that at all. Why on earth are you? Because it's unnatural. We're in the business of unnatural. You are. I've given it up. I was wondering about that. I haven't seen your name on any marquee or theatrical calendar in years. Why? You're still a young man. No, I'm not. Neither are you. We're in our 50s. Are we? Really, think about it, Charles. Are we actually in our 50s? We've been on this earth for 50-some-odd years. Don't you think that's what matters? When the body is still 30, I don't think it matters at all how long it's been walking around. So you don't think it's noteworthy that it's been 23 years, nearly a quarter of a century, since either of us have gained a gray hair or a new wrinkle? Certainly it's noteworthy. I'm, I'm just not sure why you're talking about it like it's a problem. 
When does it end? John, what did we do to ourselves? Are we... <clears throat> Many years ago, you said you'd be naive to expect my gratitude. Did I? <laughs> well, it sounds right in any case. Perhaps it was once, but whether you expect it or not, you have it. My gratitude. Whatever for? In our last conversation, I accused you of sabotaging my career. I know, I remember. But you may have given me a great gift. After all, my career has never been better, and it seems I have unlimited time in which to improve upon it. You don't think that's ill-advised? What do you mean? Only that... <laughs> well, this was precisely why I came here tonight, and why I've hemmed and hawed over reaching out to you in the first place. I wasn't certain how wise it would be for us to be seen together. Hardly a scandal for two conjurers to be in the same room, especially ones who've worked together. But might it not draw undue attention? It's one thing for you to flit about from continent to continent doing your shows and having your face on posters when the audiences change. It's quite another for those audiences to see us side by side. It would just be another illusion. There are some tricks that even the most ardent Magic fans will have a hard time justifying as tricks. The very nature of my work puts me on stage, under bright lights, in costume, and looking altogether like a character from a melodrama. That's the entire point. No one is paying any mind to my youth. Are you certain about that? You've never received any comments whatsoever in the last two decades? Because I have. The odd compliment here and there, the occasional expression of wonderment, but it only serves to add to the mystique I've worked so hard to cultivate. It seems you've done a good job of it. Fog the Fearless becoming the great and mysterious fog known to all from San Francisco to Berlin. Even my given name fits into the persona. And it seems the universe is poised to give you as much fodder to work with as possible. I'm sure your passage on the Titanic added to the mystery. You know about that. Of course. Everybody does. I didn't realize you were paying such close attention to my life. I was paying close attention to the disaster and was taken aback when I saw your name on the manifest. I was just glad to see it on the list of the living. You were? Of course. I've never held any ill will toward you, no matter what you might think. You know, I... I wrote to you about it. To your old address in New York. I don't know if you ever received it. No. I didn't. Uh, at that time, I had no permanent address in New York, and forwarding my mail from one place to the next was never terribly reliable. You should have gotten a post office box like anyone who travels frequently. Yes, I suppose I should have. What were the... What were the contents of this letter? More or less what I've just said. That I heard you were on the ship and was relieved to hear you'd made it off safely. Hmm. All right, well, that isn't entirely accurate. I also asked if... Now that you were back in the States, you would be open to a meeting. I would have been. I'm, I'm sorry. I never got the letter, though I did leave the States to come back here a few years later. Why? Not sure I'd ever get back on a transatlantic vessel after what you experienced. Well, we do what we have to for our art, don't we? And I was offered the residency here, which I could hardly say no to. Even if it brought the possibility of dying out on the cold ocean? I didn't think of it that way. 
If anything, being on the most ill-fated journey across the sea made me less anxious about traveling by boat. The Titanic was not the once-in-a-lifetime ship we all hoped she'd be, but her passage was once-in-a-lifetime. When something like that happens, when an endeavor goes so completely spectacularly publicly wrong, I believe those who undertook it in the first place are more inclined to get it right the next time they make the attempt. Either that, or there are people standing on the sidelines grateful they can learn from others' mistakes. It's unlikely to happen again, you mean? It would certainly beggar belief, and it would really be stretching the imagination to think that I would have the bad fortune to experience that twice. <laughs> well, I'm surprised at you. Why? You've never been the kind of person who holds statistical probability or logical conclusion above imagination and possibility. You're saying I'm a fool. No, I'm saying I'm surprised at you. You've changed since I saw you last. Though not in the obvious physical sense. No, not in that. I do still put stock in the more whimsical movements of the universe, but I guess you could say I found a balance in my middle age. Hmm. How terrifying was it, really, being there when it went down? It was awful. Truly awful. Truthfully, I'm uncertain how I survived. Thank goodness for lifeboats, I suppose. That's just the thing. I wasn't in one. Of course I wasn't in one. I'm a young, fit man. I wasn't about to take a seat from the female, the young, or the old. You weren't in a lifeboat. How did you survive? This is exactly what I'm trying to say. It feels like a miracle. I kept myself afloat with a bit of debris from the ship. Could have been the very dining table I'd eaten at that evening. Who knows? And then simply had to wait. There's no simply about it. The water must have been freezing. It was. But my body took forever to get too cold to bear, and by that time, help was nearly upon us. Do you think... I mean to say, do you think that do I think that the same error in nature that keeps us young kept me alive? I have no idea. I do know that I'm happy for whatever it is that kept me warm that night, and while that was certainly not a trip I'd want to repeat, I've thoroughly enjoyed every transatlantic journey I've taken since, and at least I did get quite the story out of it. And as you said, it adds to the mystique. Mr. Fogg, you do astound me. I do? Your insistence on optimism and perseverance in the face of all is... remarkable. It's the trait I've always most admired about you. What about you? Any particularly harrowing moments from the last decade? Oh, just the usual horrors of life. 
love and loss and money woes and feast and famine and everything else that makes up our human existence. Love and loss? My mother died. Hmm. Very sorry to hear that. Thank you. I know you never had a close relationship with your parents. You have no idea what my parentage is, you mean? Yes, I guess I do mean that. I suppose I always assumed that if you did have parents still, or a connection to them, I'd know who they are. That is how New York society works. Exactly. No, you're right. I, I don't have a relationship with them. You, in fact, may know who they are. Not that they're the cream of society or anything, but I have not been considered a son of theirs for a very long time. They were perfectly ordinary parents, but with expectations I had no interest in filling. Because of that, any connection was severed long, long ago. I'm sorry. I'm not. They're not important to me. They could be dead for all I know. I've never lingered on the past. I see. That's, that's not to say you shouldn't be lingering on your mother's death. Calm yourself, Mr. Fogg. I don't take offense. It was several years ago now, but it... She was my only remaining family. My only true friend in the world. If that isn't too pitiable to say. <laughs> I don't think it is. That's kind of you, even if it isn't the truth. I know I'm not terribly sociable, and Lord knows I could make a more concerted effort. But I have trouble with it. With keeping in touch, with making true connections with other people. My mother was the one person on this earth who cared what happened to me, and... I've been somewhat at an odd end since she passed. But how about love? Excuse me? You said love and loss. I, I take it someone special did enter your life after all? Ah. I may have misspoken. A turn of phrase more than anything else. <laughs> My God, I really am pitiable. I don't pity you. No, you wouldn't. What does that mean? You've always seen my life through rose-colored glass. My career, my wealth, my lifestyle. And why shouldn't I? You've had immense success, which has given you riches and a comfortable life. Can you not say the same for yourself? Now. Now I could, but it took me more than 20 years to truly build to this point. You, you had all of this back when we were in our 30s. When we were actually... In our thirties. You must realize you can't keep at it for another twenty. And why not? You're so concerned with someone uncovering the truth of my life, but what truth is there to uncover? That I'm aging unnaturally, slowly? That I may live for many more decades to come? <laughs> Do you hear yourself? The notion is absurd. If people were to understand that it's real, they won't. The precise reason you always believed magic wasn't real has always, to me, been proof that it is. The people who witness it don't know what it is. People are not good at keeping secrets if they saw... And I never suggested that the true use of magic was some grand conspiracy. I've never believed that 
there were millions of people running around performing true acts of magic. And yet you believe it's real. Don't you? How else would you explain our current state? What happened to us wasn't magic, it was science. We just don't understand it yet. And perhaps we never will. Because it's magic. And we're the only people in centuries to successfully cross the line from illusion into true enchantment. I think it more likely that the magic people have stumbled upon in the past has been subtler. And where you believe that any true magic would be immediately recognized by anyone, I think that most people are inclined to explain the unexplainable away in their heads, even if the explanation is unsatisfactory. All it takes is one curious person to bring your life down around you. It's the 20th century. We're not burning witches at the stake anymore, Charles. I can think of several world governments, not to mention every robber baron on the planet, who would very much like to know how we did what we did. But to your point, we don't know what we did. Will we wake up one day, old men? Are we immortal? Can we be killed? We don't have the answers to any of these questions. Doesn't that terrify you, John? No more than any of the questions that plagued my existence before. At least now I have the luxury of time to search for answers. So we assume. So we assume. Perhaps... Yes? I don't think it wise for us to socialize publicly too much. All right. Maybe you're correct in thinking that most people will see your youthful face and chalk it up to stage makeup or explain it away as another one of your illusions, but to see us both together, my face being known still as it is, I don't think it wise. I wasn't suggesting we start a new show together. In fact, I didn't suggest we socialize at all. We certainly have never been in the habit. Right. Yeah, of course. No, it Go on, what were you going to say? It sounded like you were leading up to a point. I don't think we should be seen together. As you've stated many times. But perhaps we should keep in touch. Is this your way of asking for my current mailing address? You can always send letters to the theater. Many people do. Oh, and how lovely to be relegated to the tier of your most ardent fans. That isn't what I meant. If you don't want to give me your address, I, I won't be offended. And I, I, God, man, you can have my address. Oh, I was... <sighs> I think keeping in touch is a good idea. If anything changes with the state of your person, I would like to know. And same for you. Then it's decided. We'll endeavor to write each other. Good. Good. It might behoove us to check in... Physically, from time to time. In, in person, that is. What do you propose? I don't have any plans to leave England soon, and I can't imagine you... Well, what are you doing here? You still haven't said. If, if you're not performing anymore, I... Well, I wanted to... I'm not sure. I, I wanted to do something. About the war, you mean? So many are dying, and yet back home you'd think there was nothing going on at all. I suppose that isn't fair. People aren't burying their heads in the sand, but it all feels very far away. What is it? What is it you're hoping to accomplish here? You're, you're not a British citizen. No, I'm not. But when I was touring Europe all those years ago, I made some, well, I, I hesitate to call them friends, but 
friendly acquaintances in British politics, and I have a skill set that I was hoping might be valuable to them. Well, I can hardly cast stone, seeing as I'm sitting in a theater having just entertained the British public, as I do every night. I'm not sure how much the king's army could benefit from illusion. Unless you're telling me you want to join my show, after all. <laughs> hardly. I'm sure you think me incredibly frivolous for having a show in London at all in this particular moment, but people need... People need joy. I understand it perfectly. I don't think it frivolous. Though I'm sure you're engaging in much frivolity yourself. Never seen an audience so predominantly female before. You must be having yourself a grand time. That is mainly due to the war than any of my particular charms, but you're right. After all, I need joy too. Indeed. So is that the service you'd provide to the war effort? Joy? Duh. You underestimate me, Mr. Fogg. It isn't illusion I'd want to offer to the cause, but rather my extensive experience in explosives. Ah, yes, that. I forgot you were a chemist before you were a magician. Only chronologically. Once I realized I could use my knowledge of chemistry to create illusions, my interest in the profession on its own waned. And now? If the Brits don't have any interest in your creative capabilities to blow things up, will you become a professional chemist again? I'm not sure. I don't think so. It's certainly been too many decades, and I was only an assistant back then. I wouldn't know where to start. No, I'm not sure what I'll do. Wait another ten years, and you could most likely go right back into Conjuring with a new name with audiences none the wiser. Is that your plan? Or will you be the great and mysterious fog for time in memoriam? Who knows? We'll just have to wait and see. Speaking of which, back on task. These in-person gatherings you suggest... It might be prudent. I think it's a good idea. The question is of when and how often, the where we can decide through correspondence. Can we not decide the other details as well? We could. But given our own self-described inability to keep in touch, I suggest we make a commitment now to something. All right. <laughs> I've just realized, uh, New Year's. You and I always seem to meet at New Year's, don't we? Yes, I guess we do. New Year's Day is as good as any. Something appropriately cyclical. Do you know, thinking back on that last New Year's party we were at, in some ways it feels like yesterday, doesn't it? In some ways. The world is so different now than it was, but... But... We're not. We're not. Time has been moving differently for me these past few years. I know what you mean. An ordinary relic of getting older, I know. Time passing you by on swift wings. But it's worse when you don't see it in your own reflection. Or maybe not worse. More... pronounced. Exactly. So, not yearly meetings, not enough time to demonstrably measure change. I propose every... 13 years. Every 13 years on New Year's Day, we'll meet, compare notes, share news about the world, and be each other's measuring stick for how much we've aged. 
Very well. It's decided then. You're leaving? I've kept you from your own celebration long enough. You know, you can stay. Celebrate with us. No, I got what I came for. And what was that? Some assurance I hadn't gone insane. <laughs> you, you haven't gone insane. Enjoy the rest of your party. Thank you. Good luck with the explosives business. Thank you. Why every 13? We're magicians. 13 feels appropriate. We're not magicians anymore. At least I'm not. And I urge you to take my advice. The longer you keep up this performing business, the more likely it is you'll draw unwanted attention. That may be the case, and maybe a day will come when neither of us will ever perform illusions ever again. But we'll always be magicians, Charles. Till the day we die. Goodbye, Mr. Chambers. Goodbye, Mr. Fogg. Till the day we die. A Typical Artist presents New Year's Day by Lauren Chippen, starring Andrew Nowak and Brigham Snow. For more information and to receive monthly missives, visit atypicalartist.co slash New Year's Day. Our next episode will be out on January 1st, 2025. Thank you for listening and Happy New Year.
Oh, 